Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, oh my God, you're going to love my new friends, my new young stars. Welcome to the show, Ian Lara. Ian is one of the hottest rising comics in New York City. Last year, he taped a set for Comedy Central Stand Up featuring, which has garnered over 10 million views. And he made his late night debut on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He's been featured in The New Yorker magazine and could catch his short special streaming on HBO Max titled LA Meets New York. And check out his Comedy Central half hour special, which debuted on February 10th, 2022. That's this year. And he's already signed on to do another half hour comedy special for HBO Max. He's on our list as a comic to watch. And welcome back another new friend, Nadia Brown. Nadia leads The Green Room, a five-part series on Ovation TV that explores the impacts and contributions of the arts to our society and how our economic recovery from COVID will leave thousands behind without support for working artists. Nadia made her Broadway debut as Rose Granger Weasley as part of the year two cast in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Her other credits include Stepping Through Blood at New Perspectives Theater, and she received a BFA from Marymount Manhattan College. There's so much more about Nadia, but you'll have to listen to it on the show. Both are amazing, so stay tuned, because their careers are soaring. April 20th, yes, that's 420. If you are in New York City, you could check me out at the Chelsea Music Hall for the Night of Laughter. It's also streaming, so you want to get the information. Games, fun, bundled event, which will feature stand-up comedy, and access to a secret after-party hosted by Patrick Cloud, Darren Brand, and Go-Go Dinosaurs, the Go-Go Dancing Dinosaurs. So you want to see me live or you want to see it stream? Go to my website and get all the information there at marinafranklin.com. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you. We keep going. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. All available. Again, go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, my wacky friend, Dave Chuskow, and we give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews, and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by, and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still if you want to. Get vaccinated, booster up, and Black Lives Matter. Welcome to Friends Like Us. This is a great episode today, as it always is, but a really good episode because we have new friends today. Both of you I have never had on this podcast. And, um, you know, it's your new friend, Nadia. Ian 
Lara is a friend, but he's never been on the podcast. It is a woman of color podcast, but once a month we have a guy. It's our period. Oh, great. This is disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you both were talking because like you're both from New York, right? Before yeah. we started. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. New Jersey, technically. Yeah. (laughs) So New Jersey, Nadia is from New Jersey and Ian, you grew up in, did you say Brooklyn? Yeah, I was, I was born in Brooklyn, but then I moved to Queens as a teenager. So I kind of claim both. It depends what neighborhood I'm in. (laughs) What made you move from Brooklyn to Queens as a teenager? It was my parents. I grew up, like I was born in East New York, um, Brooklyn, which in the nineties was like very bad. It had just came out of the crack era and it was very bad. And my parents, they wanted, it was, they kind of wanted just like a better thing, but we only moved like a mile away. So they thought it was like a moving on up thing, but we just moved like a couple blocks away to Queens. Oh, um, wow. I oh, I see. That's right. I forget. Cause I'm from yeah. Chicago. So I'm still learning. Like I was in long Island this weekend and I said I was in the Hamptons and I was in South hold. No. Yeah. Or, or is that what it's called? South- Pre- Wait, Green Greenport? Greenport, and- that's the place. Yeah, yeah. And I oh, said I was in the Hamptons mm-hmm. and, and or Norfolk or whatever. So yeah, that's how, like, I'm Chica- I'm still like, I've been here for 20 years, but I'm, you know, the Chicago, un- unfamiliar with the fact that Brooklyn is actually close to Queens. I One night I was trying to tell people how to get to Brooklyn. And they were going in the direction of Queens. I was like, this is not the way. I think of Queens as being uptown and Brooklyn downtown. Oh, no. Me I, too. I, mean, I could literally, where I moved, when I moved from Brooklyn to Queens, I could walk to my new house. Like, And my parents, they were like, were like, this is like for a better life. And I could just walk to the new house. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So, Nadia, you grew up in New Jersey, you're in mm-hmm. New Jersey and you're in your home right now. <laughs> and I'm, yep, I live in my parents' attic. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. And Saving rent money. Okay. <laughs> you're of that generation. Both of you actually are, are you know, I'm, I'm about to say I'm older, way older than both of you. But I know I may not look it. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, right now, after coming out of the pandemic, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at your history, like you went to, um, for theater school, um, it was, was it Marymount? Yes, Marymount Manhattan College. That's where I graduated from, got my BFA there. I studied in London at the British American Drama Academy for wow. a summer. I studied also at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art <laughs> for a summer as well. Um, yeah, and then it was only like two years post-grad that I booked Harry Potter on Broadway. Amazing. So I was just auditioning and working a, a bit regionally in New York and New Jersey. Until and that you're point. a dancer too, right? Yeah, that's the first thing I ever did when I was six years old. I started dancing because I was the quietest kid you ever saw. <laughs> like would not speak, would not get off the wall. I was a huge wallflower um, and dancing brought me out of my shell. I did African and ballet and tap and jazz and lyrical. We competed actually in West African dance when I was started around 10 years old, I started doing competitions. And I did that until about 18. But I knew acting was my passion. Acting was the route that I wanted to go. But it was a nice way to get discipline. Honestly, I always have to thank my dance teachers from all walks of life. They taught me what it is to be a professional, show up and do what I need to do. 
You're so adorable. Oh, I said, now you. I see. I mean, but like both of you have this energy. Like, I feel like both of you are like, you know, like play mom, right? Because it's like, I see both of you, like your careers are going in such a great direction. Like I see Ian all the time. And I, like I, he, you know, he just did a, a special for Comedy Central. He has another special coming out, right? On HBO Max. Yeah. And so a half hour. Yeah. That's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and then I'm looking at Nadia, who is in this uh, Harry Potter, the um, um, let me say the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. The, and the Cursed Child on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's amazing that you're on Thank Broadway. You. Yeah. And you're both in your energy. You know, Nadia, like what I'm looking at is I can see why, because I was looking at everything you were doing. I was doing my homework and I was like, she's got such a loving, you know, energy. She's positive. She's bubbly. She's beautiful. She's a dancer. Thank it you, makes sense. I'm none of those. Well, I'm, I may be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, absolutely. I, I am a dancer, but I'm, I'm not bubbly. And, you know, here's the, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, I, at any point in my life, could I have been bubbly? <laughs> i try i have tried to be bubbly i mean like bubbly is like um you know i i mean it in a well way obviously i'm taking it that you way know. thank but you for me no, they've totally. often asked me to be more, marina can you be more bubbly and i'm like this is it this is who i am <laughs> like you're gonna get this um which is valid too. Yes. <laughs> I do want to ask you this very important question. Then I'm going to intermingle it with Ian. Um, you know, we're both comics. So we've always had, when the pandemic hit, we had the option of going outside, sort of. We were trying to figure it out. I often felt like, as a person who did come from a theater background, that's me, mm -hmm. what it must have been like to have been cast on Broadway and then lockdown. Can you tell our listeners what that was like? Sure. Yeah, it was hard to be completely honest, <laughs> Marina. It was really hard. It felt like particularly doing Broadway, doing theater, anything that had to have a live audience, but was not safe to do for such a long period of time during that early pandemic. Um, it felt completely hopeless. It felt like we could never come back when things started to like the NFL. Well, first of all, I do remember um, the NBA shut down right before Broadway shut down. It was like the 11th, March 11th, 2020, the NBA shut down. And we were making jokes like, oh, well, if the NBA shut down, we are not, like we're done for because people care about basketball. That's something that is televised and can be done without spectators and they're shutting down. Oof, we're done. And then it was that next day, March 12th, 2020. We'll never forget. <laughs> we were rehearsing because I was on contract to stay for another year. Um, and I remember that Cuomo and the Broadway League had a meeting saying Broadway has to shut down for, you know, we don't, we're not sure how long, maybe four weeks. We'll see. Um, and we finished out rehearsal that day and it was such a bittersweet confusing ending like wow okay I hope I see you in a month like I hope I have a job again in a month we'll see at the time I didn't even have representation I do now but I felt completely you know I describe it as like that day was like I was a child and school ended early and I had no one to pick me up like I felt like I had no resources no help 
and had no idea, no clear idea of where my uh, career was going to go, but also just like money. Like I was just, it just felt so totally hopeless. And it just continued to extend and extend and extend as we were all learning how serious the pandemic was, how serious COVID was, how long things were going to be shut down for all the different waves. It was like each benchmark, it kept being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed back. And so, of course, throughout that time, I, you know, found my own ways to stay creative. I was home. So that was easy to like save money that way. And you know, find, audition, keep doing things, reach out. Did you audition branch. like from home? Like, did you, I did. was that <laughs> difficult to do or what did you do? Cause I, I, um, they, they kept asking me to do auditions. I was like, I'm on a break. To right. It's like, <laughs> you got to take care of you first. Mm -hmm. Like the whole mental thing of like, we even have to just figure out how this is affecting us as people. But I did, I did ultimately do audition like self tapes i got the hang of it for sure this is actually my self tape setup <laughs> i have yeah, my screen my ring in front of me yeah um and i'm in my bedroom so this is <laughs> my the bedroom in my parents attic and i just like move my bed put my uh blue screen up and my ring light um and yeah that's i had to just you know adapt and adjust because i'm used to performing in front of 1600 people live and it's like, actually, all the acting I can do is for a box, which I, I love TV. I'm very interested in doing that for sure. Um, it was just an adjustment. And it was just uncertain, as everything was at the time. Life, career, all of it. Um, and it was really great that I was able to start working with Being Arts Hero and start being their TikTok social media ambassador. And then ultimately, uh, Jennifer Macomb, who is one of the co-founders of Being Arts Hero, she asked me to host the green room ovation. So I was just like on ovation TV. So I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm unemployed right now. And I would love to use my voice to talk about and, you know, just be a platform and talk about what it's like to struggle in this arts and culture sector. And Ian, you're free to ask any questions you have, because I see you leaning in. And <laughs> do you have any thoughts? Like, because I mean, did you ever do any theater or? No, no, I didn't. I, I, I found that a lot of the um, the stuff that uh, Nadia was referring to, like we had similarities with that, where it's like that feeling of like, what now? Or did did, did I make the wrong move? Should I go? Should I go get an accounting <laughs> degree? Could I? Because I, I didn't know. You know, at first we didn't know if stand up was coming in. I felt like stand up. We were able to adjust quick though. Like you said, they well, we went outdoors and we were doing shows over Zoom. Like that was the thing. But with um, theater, I assumed there was like no way you could. You can't do it without. Yeah, it was cool to see like Hamilton film yeah. and like have that be released on Disney Plus and other Broadway shows consider filming. But my, my show, Harry Potter, is very much about the illusions and seeing it right in front of your face. Right. So it definitely for a long time, I was like, I'm never going to have a job again. Like, yeah, yeah. so. And can you talk to us about like, so, you know, well, let me just go back to the auditioning part mm -hmm. of it. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, because I remember coming up as an actress, always feeling like if I don't, if I'm not professional in every single moment, they just won't have it. Like, you know how theater can be kind of tough on people like, you know, um, you've got to be ready. You've got to have this. You've got to that. Did you find like people were adjusting well? Because I found some people were still in that mode of if you don't have this link in by this time. And I'm like we're in a pandemic, like be nice. <laughs> totally. I do you remember totally. that guy who said he could hear the director. He was auditioning. I forget which actor it was, but he was auditioning for a role. 
And the director was like, you could just see into these little people's apartments in there. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. And like the judgment of what his back, his, his house looked like. Yeah. And the director, he was on audio or something. Yeah. Like he shouldn't have been, he should have been muted. <laughs> and he was like, oh, his apartment doesn't look good. Something like, is that yeah. what you're referring mm-hmm. to? Yeah. yeah. And then the actor like took it in stride and was like, give me this job and then I will be able to afford <laughs> something much I, better. <laughs> I remember that moment and thinking if that had been me, like I would not have been, I, I thought that guy is so talented on so many yeah. levels because I don't have the control <laughs> that he had and the kindness yeah. maybe it's because yeah. he's younger too because i would have cursed that guy out you know because but look look at my background you know what i mean it's like everyone was trying and we're getting trying their best yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think there was also a lot of like talk about why maybe casting was asking for so much because you know some of the scenes were like 10 pages or three 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 page scenes or you know there was a lot of like I don't know. It, it was just, it's, it was hard work for sure. And I, I actually did appreciate it because I wanted to focus on something and I definitely got better and, you know, it, it helps to audition as much as you can. You get to become a better auditioner, but um, yeah, it was, there's an interesting debate on what's taking care of ourselves, being careful with each other and like staying on task and being hard workers and all of that, especially in this industry. Yeah. Are you still auditioning on, on tape like this? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As much as I can (laughs) trying to book that next (laughs) co-star or anything. (laughs) What advice would you give to anyone listening? Who's auditioning on tape right now like this? Cause like, obviously like, don't do what I'm doing. Like have like the coffee (laughs) in the background and the, the, Oh, it's problematic, but go ahead. It does not look bad, Marina. It really doesn't. I wish you could see what was behind my blue. (laughs) But I would say, yes, have a good backdrop. Most casting directors like something blue or gray or just one color, nothing distracting. Lighting is important. Having, like, not too much shadow. Audio is important. And um, just being as prepared. I like to be off book for things um, as much as possible and just having fun also, because I think sometimes we get a little too bogged down of like, I can't wear this color or I can't da da da. And all of that does not matter. They'll know in the first three seconds, whether they like you or not, or if you're right for the role. And let me actually just say this, because this is the best piece of auditioning advice I've ever received is win the room, not the role. So don't worry if like, uh, there's been so many auditions I've had that I like really wanted the part and I really wanted the show. And that doesn't matter. All that matters is that you make a good impression on who's ever seeing you. And then they call you in multiple times because it's about building seeds for your career, not just that one part. Awesome. That's great advice. Ian, do you do this or? Yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned like the, cause I was, I do a ton. I, I do, I do like five a week now, um, like video auditions, but you mentioned like when they send the eight, 10 page auditions, I'm like, I should get paid for this. Like I totally, you have to learn 10 pages. And they know if they like you within three seconds. I'm like, this this seems unnecessary. I just totally. did an audition for um for the new white man can't jump, and literally I had to I had to do like three scenes, and then I had to go to a basketball court and play basketball for like five minutes. They wanted to see you do that. No, <laughs> this took me two weeks to prepare. This is why I don't do anything because I say I just say no. I, me too, me too. But you know, the agents, they don't like that. They're like, Ian, you have to do this. You you have to do this. This is big. 
it honestly took like two days of, of like preparation. I had to like find a gym. I had to go to mm. the gym, set up camera. People at the gym were like, why are you setting up a camera? And I was, I was like, it's. <laughs> this is on, was this a callback? No, first audition. No, first audition. Never heard of it again. <laughs> the hardest I ever worked over the pandemic on an audition was I had to do two different characters. I had to do a Mississippi dialect, and I had to twerk, and I had to do two different dances for both <laughs> characters. And I don't even know how to twerk. I'm not like I can twerk a little, but not like that, like that. I've and never I had to like able to twerk ever. It's not my strong suit. <laughs> really but I was like, I'll learn for this. But it, that was the hardest I ever worked. It was like I ha- was doing pages of scenes and dancing, choreographing it myself and dancing and twerking and a Mississippi dialect. <laughs> it was so much work. I did. I did one audition where I did. I did. Two callbacks. So I got to the third callback, and the like all of them were self taped. But the third callback was on Zoom. It was like during the during the pandemic. So the third callback was on Zoom. I had to actually read with like the director, but it was like he had like the, the same connection as Nina. Like it was just it was just so off, and we mm. it just couldn't work. And that was just it. He was like, "All right, I guess you know you're not right for the part." I'm like, "I can't hear you." <laughs> Yeah, you can't hear. Yeah, it's it's so I that's the thing that I found that was so interesting was the inability for to people to not everyone, but for some, the inability to um, pivot with what was going on in a very sympathetic and empathetic way. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you can do it. But like, like, obviously, like Nina, who's supposed to join us, hopefully, at any point, like you remember, I was telling you, I used to get mad. And then I realized, you can't do that. Everyone has different bandwidth at home, different financials. Now, not Nina. I know Nina's fine financial, but you know, like, not to put her out. (laughs) Well, you know, like, everyone's maybe, you know, don't know what their schedule is that day. Or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you just gotta... So I think her laptop has water issues. Oh, oh no. So her microphone, okay, wouldn't work at all. She might have to get a USB. Ah, uh, got it. Oh, that's terrible. So now our listeners know this. So, or they may have water issues in their microphone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you ladies ever find that like the roles you get sent? Cause I I I find like it's better now. But I, when I first started audition, like the roles that I got sent out for wasn't me at all. Like, mm-hmm. and then the agents would be like, "Oh no, they don't know what you want." And I'm like, "Really?" Because in the breakdown it says they want a six four white man, and you're telling me about this. <laughs> but now oh. they're more specific. I find like it'll be like mm. a black guy in the 30s, and I could do that. But at first, I was just they would just send me anything. I feel like that was an attempt to kind of like be a bit more diverse and a bit more like we'll open up the casting maybe to anything, um, which is on one hand good, but also like I, I feel like the breakdowns in general, there's like an issue with just breakdowns, like how if it says open to all ethnicities, but they really are only actually looking at maybe white people or, you know, like they're not actually... Sometimes it's like you want them to just be truthful. Like, who are you really looking for? Because right, I right. think you do have an idea. <laughs> you know? Listen, my so. act, if you're looking for a white man, my acting skills is not changing your, your <laughs> mind on, on what you're yeah. looking for. Right. It's either you're looking for me or you're not. I'm not I'm not wowing you with a performance where you're like, you know what? 
we're going black on this one. It's such a great point you brought up because we have one of the articles in here about, thank you for saying that. And I actually wanted to ask you about the play you did is called Juliet. Oh, and Juliet. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. Because um, I noticed in that it was about an actress that wants to play the role of Juliet, but mm -hmm. because the actor wanted it to be an all male in, in that's what the play's about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is mm -hmm. that the director mm -hmm. wanted it to be an all male cast? Cause in Shakespeare, they used to do that, right? They used to have mm -hmm. all male. This is me coming from my theater days. Yes. Um, they used to have all male guys play the, all the characters. Is that mm -hmm. what they were using? And they didn't want to go into race, right? As you. Yeah. The, the nature of the play, it, I was playing a college student who was in her senior year and wanted to do the leading role and the director did not want to cast her and race does come up within the midst and they have a face off. I think in the second act, I believe this was a few years ago. Oh my gosh. It was, <laughs> that was before I booked Broadway. That was one of my first professional gigs, which was, I learned a ton doing that at New Jersey Repertory Company. But um, in act two, they have a face off and talk about like what it's like to, you know, just cast diversely, quote unquote, or do non-traditional casting for something, which strangely enough, completely mirrored my life. That's exactly what I did when I was in college. I played Marina in Pericles, Prince of Tyre. I, <laughs> Marina, <laughs> I, um, I went to, I studied at RADA. I went to the uh, British Academy of Dramatic Art. You know, I found my way with classical theater, which is traditionally white or only recently has started to really start to get more diverse. Um, and that's how I kind of entered into the mm -hmm. acting industry and how, how I learned how to act, honestly. Um, and, and even the part that I play now in Harry Potter, Hermione, who we've seen in all the movies, is played by Emma Watson. Um, most right. of the like leading cast is white. And when we imagine this huge multi-billion dollar franchise book industry, right? Harry Potter is huge, as well as all the films, we've always seen them depicted as white. But Hermione in the show has always been black since the um, beginning of the show. Ergo, her daughter, who I play, Rose Granger Weasley, the son of uh, the daughter of um, Ron and Hermione, is also black. And that's, it feels really great. It feels really great to be a black woman and kind of, you know, I don't, I, it's okay being the first, but we don't want to be the last, right? Like it, I, it feels good to pave the way and kind of do something that not, it hasn't been seen or it kind of is changing our perceptions of things. Um, but it would be nice for things to be a bit more normalized for sure. That's what is also so ex exciting about you being in the Harry Potter, Harry, mm -hmm. Harry, Harry Potty. <laughs> Harry Potty. Who's <laughs> oh, potty trained, everybody? Um, but the franchise, because yes, I do remember there's been so many conversations about how Harry Potter, you know, it was very white. That's why it's so great to see the representation in this show. Thank because you. It, it resolves yeah. a lot of things. And um, but I do see this, that the theater industry falls far short on diversity and inclusion promises. This mm. is the new equity report. Mm -hmm. And despite the theater industry pledges to improve its track record on diversity, and inclusion and hiring, the follow through has fallen far short, says a new report by Actors Equity. The union says in its third annual diversity inclusion hiring bias report, that statistics for the year 2020 
indicate that the percentage of contracts going to members of color increased only marginally from 2016 to 2019, rising from 21.5% to just 24.8%. Now, the union members of color nationally earned an average of 91.8% of what white members made per week. Some other key findings in the report, stage manager jobs, they continue to go most often to white workers and stark pay gaps persist along racial and gender lines. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's super interesting. I read that report as well, especially after 2020, when it's kind of this year of reckoning, like, you know, we have everyone is seeing Black Lives Matter. And especially after George Floyd's death, it all exploded into our like public consciousness and theater was one of the main, like that industry was, and Hollywood, I think, was pretty vocal in saying that we have to change, we have to do a lot. And that was what a lot of us, especially on Broadway in the black community, we were like, how is it gonna be different? Is Are we really gonna see change by the time that we come back? And when are we coming back, by the way? you know, So it's like dealing with that. Um, and I think it's important to also note that there are black performers all over Broadway, a lot of black shows, but what that article I think highlights is that stage management and like the crew and like that's, and even creative teams and producers are historically and generally mostly white still. So there is a large discrepancy in just theater makers in general, not just performers, but everyone, that there's still a lot of work to do in hiring people at every level. And it starts from the top and it should trickle down and I, we, of course, I, I, I love having a job. Like we want to see black performers, of course, but also we need to make sure that there are black producers, black hair and crew and stage management and all of the above. Do you think the pandemic was is probably responsible for those numbers as well? Because like, I don't want to give them an excuse, but <laughs> totally, totally, you know, maybe they're just starting to get back on their feet. Yes, I definitely think. Yeah, of course. The first point was like just to reopen theater again um, and hire as many people who wanted to come back or were able to come back. And some people weren't able to come back. And we also almost spent like two years totally dark. So there, yeah, there is definitely, it's going to take a long time. And I hope that there are waves being made, but it's just interesting that that report says that so far, like it's only marginal, very small. Do you, do you remember when you got the call that you had booked uh, the play like what you were of doing of course yes i will never forget it i was um working at dog pound which is a gym it's like a personal training gym in new york yeah. um and i was just working front desk <laughs> and i had gone through five rounds of callbacks and by the way i mentioned i didn't have any representation so i just submitted on actors access for this and i wow. had never gone gotten through that many rounds for broadway ever so i felt good about myself already, but I hadn't heard for like four days, which isn't a long time, but I was going through auditions so quick. Like it was like almost every day that it felt four days felt like, Oh, I didn't get it. And I remember I was talking to my coworker and I was about to clock out, mind you, just so you know, I did not clock out. So this whole experience, I was still on the clock, but (laughs) I was just about to clock out. And I was telling her how proud I was like that. I made it through and that Broadway's attainable and you know, I had done all of those callbacks and I had been in front of them and they liked me and they called me again. Like, this is maybe not that far reaching. Maybe 
I can do this one day. Yeah. And then I got a call from a 212 number. And my friends and I, all my actor friends and I would always joke that if you get a call from a 212 number, you pick up because it could be Broadway calling. And yeah. this time it literally was. <laughs> it was the casting director calling me directly because I didn't have any representation and said like, Nadia, we would love to offer you the role of Rose Ranger Weasley. Yeah, and I was super calm and I was like, thank you so much. Yeah, great. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and then I immediately called my cousin, Candace. She's like a sister to me. And I like ran out of the gym, ran down the block screaming like, I got yeah. it, I got it, I got it. She was so proud of me. That's amazing. I had a similar story. When I found out I was doing the Tonight Show, I was at work and oh. I got an email from the booker. He emailed me and he was, cause I had submitted it and I had got like rejected like a couple of times. And he was like, submit, he was like, we like you just submit one more time. And then I submitted and he was like, he replied like a month later. So I thought I didn't get it again. And he was like, can you do this in two weeks? And I was like, I was like, oh my God. And then my manager called me. And then I remember hanging up and looking at my, I used to work at the airport. And I remember looking around mm. like, should I quit? Like, should I just, <laughs> should I yes. just leave right now? <laughs> That's so That's amazing. Moment. It's always an exciting time. Cause it's like the first time, like I feel like it, it diminishes. Like after you just keep booking and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. But, you know. Totally. It becomes more normal. Yeah. But I really like your story because it's like, it just goes to show that you never know how you're being received. It could like, you're doing great. Each time you submitted, they did like you. They did want right, to right. hire you and have you be there. It just, it was about the right time, the right fit, all of it. Right. Right. It's weird. Like, cause in comedy, you get to a point of like where, where nobody knows you. And then like when you achieve a little bit of success, I feel like I got to a point where I was being sought after to be rejected. Mm. Like people, <laughs> were, people were calling me to submit for stuff not to give it to me which i was like i was just minding my business why are you even why are you calling me for this to not give it to me that hurts more than like going in as a random oh i know you're so and, right getting it this is like oh you wanted me i just i just changed your mind i remember a director saying no marina has to do it within a certain amount of time because she's competing with other people <laughs> I was like, kiss my ass. You know what? <laughs> what happens? You guys are so young. I love your energy. This is what happens when you get well, me personally. This is what happens when you get older. You're like, no, no, no. It doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. Yeah. It I mean, does I, not. I, I I agree. Like, I like to 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 reach out to somebody to ask them to do something when they were just minding their business, not asking <laughs> you to do that, and then tell them no. I feel like that takes like a certain type of like balls to say to do that to yeah a yeah because you're also letting them down you get, you're like taking away their hope in that day or that hour yeah it's like come on so just true. you know send it to the agent yeah have yeah. the agent go i used to have a manager that used to always go band-aid off and i was like oh <laughs> that used to always Ooh. hurt okay band-aid off and i was like oh but yeah. you much rather have that conversation with the manager or agent than the actual person. Yeah. True. I mean, I feel like acting is the same way in comedy. You get so used to just being rejected that you kind of have to like set up a mentality of being rejected. So sometimes when you accomplish stuff, it's hard for you to like really realize because your mind is just on like, oh, I was numb just so I could be rejected. I didn't <laughs> I didn't have the emotion. Like totally. When my special came out and I had the thing in Times Square, like people was like, "How did that feel?" And I was like, "Oh, I, I, I was there. I, it was weird. Like I, I, I was there. I was like, oh, this is great.' But 
part of my I felt like I was numbed out to be rejected anyway. So I didn't I didn't get to enjoy it as much. I people had to tell me, like, no, enjoy it. You have to be in the moment. You have to be present. You have to celebrate your wins. You do. We were just mm -hmm. talking about that on the on one of our previous episodes. I was saying how um, I, I don't know if I told you this, Ian, but I sold a show, you know, to FX and um, that's amazing. but it's thank you. But it's also scary, like you were saying. Yeah. So, you know, I was afraid to tell people and even celebrate it because I still have a longer way to go and getting it on air is a long process. Mm -hmm. And Sarah Silverman, actually, she said to me, no celebrate this it's yeah. so hard mm -hmm. every step, yeah. of, the step way of the way that you have to ex you have to celebrate when you get to to this level and then the next level you have to mm -hmm. or yeah. what are you doing it for yeah totally yeah. it feels like yeah just when you i remember particularly like going for the first audition and then the callback and like not wanting to get my hopes up too much and all of that but i think that your point that you're making Marina is that just in each moment, just celebrate it. Cause even like you're expecting to not have that third callback or that fourth call, you're expecting not that. So why not celebrate it while you have the, like the happiness, the joy, just be optimistic for like two seconds. And then if, if I think we're afraid of getting our hopes let down, but that's what life is, right? Maybe just be optimistic, have that hope for two seconds. And then if you need to get let down, be let down because it's so easy to just be like, well, I'm not going to get da, 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 you know? Yeah. And I feel and like your brain as an artist, it just goes to the next thing. So it's like, you sold the show. Like now I got to get it on TV. So I, that's a, that's a whole nother thing. And then you get it on TV and you're like, well, I guess I got to do another season or. <laughs> yeah. We always and want I, more. And I got to try to avoid the reviews, you know, right, all right. Of it. it's always be like a good actor, get the Oscar, right. <laughs> not be embarrassing My, at the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. I think I think it's like a double-edged sword because because part of it is what makes you like a good artist and like a good creator. The fact that you constantly have those thoughts and the fear of like mm -hmm. of the next thing, like it keeps you pushing. You're like, I can't celebrate. I have to do this now. I... You never settle. Yeah. You know, there's always another. There's always something else to do. There's always something else to accomplish. There's always more to learn. Right. As actors, though, I do feel like there is an acting technique that can kind of help us through the bigger picture of this. I feel really proud that I said that, by the way. Um, <laughs> sometimes I, you know, I go into my Barbara Walters voice, but, um, but you know, in acting, how they always say, if you're focusing on what you're doing, then you won't worry about anything else. So mm -hmm. if your job is to walk to the door and close it and say this, line or if it's if the scene is about you folding clothes right if you're focused on folding those clothes then you're not going to be nervous mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. all because it's you're really not in about your head. what is it you're actually doing mm -hmm. and I, exactly. I remember that freed me up as an actor when I was given that as a technique and I was like oh that's right because I, I would always be like oh the audience is you know or am I am I you know but when you're completely focused, it's really about that, what you're actually doing in that moment. And that should, that's really true for life. Absolutely. It helps you take it yeah. moment to moment, you know? And I would yeah. say that's true for, um, you know, and 
I mean, a lot of people may be listening to this and thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I work at home, I work, I'm a teacher, but I think that you in this project or not project, but this series that you're doing for Ovation, can you go mm -hmm. into that as to yeah. why it's important that we invest in the arts? Really? Totally, totally. It touches all of us. It touches literally every person in America, like one, because we all escape to television. It's something that we can enjoy and we love entertain entertainment and being entertained. But also it contributes so much to our economy. It, we, the arts and culture sector contributes probably over $919 billion to the economy because of not just theaters and venues and whatever art venue you might be going to, but also all the businesses that are surrounding that, like bars and coffee shops and parking garages and everything that is surrounding a night nightlife, essentially, or clubs, comedy clubs, dance halls, concert, like everything, everything, everything. And there are so many arts workers in this country who are not just the people that we know and see on TV, but are who are costume designers or clowns or theater makers or, you know, there's so, it's such a vast community and it's really important that we start treating the arts and culture sector just as important as we treat the agriculture sector. You know, it's a huge, big business and so many people were devastated after COVID-19 and I think we need legislation, we need funding and we can talk about all of these things in a nice, fun, palatable way <laughs> because I'm not an economist. Like that is definitely not my forte. I am an arts worker for sure. I'm an actress, dancer. I like to do TikTok and listen to Britney Spears. Like I'm like, I'm very much <laughs> a young millennial, but it's important for us all to have kind of a grasp on how much we individually matter. And if we can have some type of help for when things like a pandemic happen. And you wrote to Cory Booker. Can you tell us about that? I thought that yeah. was so great. Yeah, fired in that way. Totally. It was this was how I actually got in touch with being arts hero. I was just scrolling on Instagram. And I think it was recent Oscar winner Ariana DeBose, who I saw had maybe followed them or did a little video to her representatives or something. I saw something. And I was like, well, I can do that. Why not? I like this this Instagram account, Being Arts Hero, why don't I just make a video to Cory Booker and Bob Menendez asking for legislation relief? Why not? And I stood in front of this blue screen that I'm in front of right now. And I just sent them like a little video. I tagged them on Instagram. <laughs> and it's so easy. Like that's exactly how you talk to your representatives for each state. Like you can just tag them on Instagram. You can visit their website. You can call. It's actually so much simpler to kind of reach out and be a part and be an active constitu constituent of your state. Um, and I just asked for arts funding <laughs> in like a cute one minute long video. Um, and being arts hero saw that. And from there, our relationship grew. And I realized how easy it was. And they realized like, oh, why don't we like talk about this on TikTok? And why don't we inspire other young people to make videos? Because that's all we do anyway. It's like take selfies, make fun, engaging stuff. Why not actually do that in politics, you know, in the local communities? That gives me so much hope by the way. That's yeah. beautiful because a lot of people, you know, I, I would oftentimes get this thing like, well, why are we talking about the Oscars or why are we talking about this? You know, there's mm -hmm. people who have real jobs, mm -hmm. but these actually are employing real jobs. Totally. Totally. It's like 
crew members who you might not think of or like, you know, who have families who have, you know, it's like they're supporting three kids and they don't have funding that they need. They lost their health insurance. They, you know, it's like, it's so much wider than even sometimes we realize even in the industry, because there's just so many facets to who is actually affected by the arts and culture sector, especially when it's shut down. And you can argue like, Look, entertainment is necessary. We can see from mm-hmm. the pandemic how, look, Ian, you're seeing how people are coming out to comedy clubs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild now. Yeah. I mean, they are coming. They, COVID, they don't care. <laughs> they want to, I mean, I'm oftentimes, I'm looking at them and you like, I'm like, you sure? They, yeah. they want those, even during when we were locked in, people were trying to find ways to get their entertainment because- cool. Guess what? And I have to say this live entertainment, Mm -hmm. because we can't all sit in front of these screens all day long. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this pandemic, I think it may have made a resurgence to people needing live entertainment for Mm -hmm. real. Yeah. That physical importance of that. I mean, Netflix, it got old quick. I mean, when you're locked away, you, you, you see every show like people were watching stuff that was rewatching stuff they definitely wanted to come out like things opened up and it's a community feeling like when you go to a movie theater or if you go to a theater theater and you or you go to a comedy club that feeling of community is what theater was about anyway it's yep. it's, it's like a spiritual moment yeah mm-hmm. all so experiencing it, together yeah mm-hmm I'm New sitting at home school. watching movies by myself. It's like, yeah, hey, yeah, no one's there. <laughs> no one's you there to go. What? Did you see that? Exactly. In, uh, summer 2020, we were doing shows outside, like on the sidewalk, which was like everyone agreed, like this is bad, like this is a bad show, but it was still sold out. Like it wasn't good. It wasn't good shows. They were bad. Comedy's not intended to be done there. It was terrible. <laughs> And mm-hmm. and as as a comic, you're like, sorry, sorry that this is so bad for you guys. But the audience didn't seem to care. They were just like, no, we're just happy to be here. We're just happy for the live performance. And I think in New York, that was good to see because I felt like New York was starting to get a little jaded and entitled with entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I would go other places and I would see such an appreciation for what we were bringing. And then in New mm. York, I felt like, oh, you guys... You don't you you're so used to it that you don't even understand appreciate and, yeah mm-hmm. right. so this is good and then I think this is a good place you know also there was a that moment when Tom Cruise yelled about COVID that brought a realness to it too when he said these are people who are working here if you screw this up mm. this will screw up you know, their jobs, they have to go back to their families. We have to get this right. Please. Mm-hmm. What was the safe um, safety measures are you that you were doing and has anything changed since with the masks inside theaters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's um, taken very seriously. And I'm actually very appreciative because I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. I haven't had it yet um but we do we do take it really seriously so we all had to be uh vaccinated and boosted to come back um we all test all the cast because we're unmasked um 
we have to test four times a week and we do saliva testing, which is like four the times. most. Four times a week? We used to do six. Oh, <laughs> it, we just relaxed to four <laughs> times a week. Um, and it's is saliva. Is it PCR? Oh, saliva. Saliva, which I don't even know. It's technically not PCR, but it's it's even more accurate than PCR. We have an epidemiologist <laughs> who worked on both administrations. So that's how serious we take it. Wow. Um, and then all the crew, like our dressers, our hair, like wig, hair and makeup team, and all the crew, the stagehands, all wear masks all the time. But because we don't do, and uh, ventilation, we also have um, really strong ventil like air purifier things in our dressing rooms. Um, and on stage. So the stage is essentially like, they call it an outdoor space because that's how like good the airflow is. And then audience who come, they still have to be vaccinated to come and they still have to be masked as of now. And they've, it's been like that since we opened in December. No, thanks to Eric Adams. No, I mean, you know what? Let me tell you something. My opinion is shifting. I voted for him. I really was hopeful and I'm very disappointed right now. I'm sorry, mm. but I'm so glad the theater is being a great representation of what, how to keep those measures going. Yeah. Cause we and will shut down. Safe. Yeah. Like we had that issue around Christmas where, you know, Omicron was first surging and we cast members got sick, crew members got sick and we had to shut down again. We only had to shut down for a week. Thank God. And other Broadway shows, had it worse or had it better, whatever, you know, it was all different. It was raging through the cast and crews, but it was scary again. I was like, uh Oh, like I was so triggered. <laughs> I was so like, is it going to be another yes. two years? Luckily it wasn't, it was just the one week. And that's why our, our, all of our precautions are so intense because we are unmasked. We're spitting each other's faces. Like it is such a, like in order to put on the show, we have to be so safe. And to me, like live performing is the only thing that has been affected this way because sets is much easier. It's a much smaller people and you don't have to have an audience there and all the things sporting, even award shows, all of it hasn't been affected the way that like live performance has, in my opinion. I think though they, they, they should still like all of these places like um, with the NBA and all that, and he's allowing the players to be on. I, I don't get it. I'm like, yeah. you're sweating and. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Ian, how are you with that? I mean, I saw you. You're young. You were still going around. I see you without your mask, but you're young. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, I had, I've got it. I've got, I got COVID um, both times, like twice in both, like in Omicron and in March um, 2020. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't fun, but it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just follow whatever the law is. Like, I, I, the law said get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. It said wear a mask. I wore a mask. It, it said, yeah. Yes. Well, now they're saying don't wear a mask, which, see, I don't follow what the law. I've been ahead of this the whole time. And you're, my listeners know I've probably saved a lot of their lives. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're welcome. Uh, but it's it does seem like we could learn a lot from how Broadway is, is – um, conducting themselves as far as live entertainment goes. Mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. believe that Broadway has it right because I don't get this understanding of getting back to work also is not about also keeping people healthy. Yeah. Like you can't work if you're sick. So I don't know where that got lost in the shuffle of the conversation. I know there's, there's, here's the thing I, I do realize 
Adams has people in his ear that I'm worried yeah. about things. And it's a political move. And he's yeah. he's doubling down, but there he needs to not double down. Yeah. I feel like people feel there's people who feel strongly on both sides. Like absolutely like other people that are like, what? Open everything up and make everyone kiss. That's what we <laughs> just, just spread. And it's like and it's like as a politician, that's why I'm like, why would you ever want to be a politician? It's just who do you please? Like there's people yeah. who have the complete opposite view, which I, which is like I hate. Look, them. I was in Long Island. Yeah, <laughs> I went into a store and yeah. in um, Greenport or restaurant, and nobody was wearing a mask. My friend and I both had on our masks, and they were looking at us like, yeah, that like 48 hours when you walk into a bar, and they're like, who? And yeah. I was like. <laughs> But I didn't even understand, like a part of me was like, so I'm wearing a mask and that's making you feel uncomfortable, why? Like mm -hmm. you made your mm -hmm. choice, I'm making my choice. We can exist in this space together, can't we? Yeah. yeah, I think it should be like that. It should be like, if you feel more comfortable without one, great. If you feel more comfortable with one, great. Yeah. Like, absolutely, absolutely. And the judgment is so difficult because I mean, I think the pandemic, the whole time we've all had such different opinions about what is working, what is good to do. What's my responsibility? Do I feel guilty about doing this X, Y, Z? And it just is like, it's so tough because everyone has a different opinion on what is the right thing. You yeah. know, I remember when they started opening up at first, I went, uh, um, I started going on the road. It wasn't even early on. It was like this, like probably like November of 2020. And I went, the vaccine hadn't come out yet. And I went to Arkansas, I was doing a club there. And after the show, like all the comics were hanging out, but I I, I kept my mask on like the whole time. Like I never took it off. And the, the comics and the club owner were just making fun of me for like being a New Yorker who like had this mask on. And I was like, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to be safe, keep you guys safe though. And they, and they just didn't have their mask on the whole night. On I got back on Sunday. On Tuesday, the dude texted me, the feature texted me and he was like, dude, we all have COVID. It was three of them. They all got COVID. Mm -hmm. And two of them had it for like a month and were like, one of them was in the hospital. Like, <gasps> so yeah, the owner was like 70 and he was just like, stop wearing a mask. You, you know. That I don't like. Like, I don't like, like, you have no idea what someone's situation is. Like, I was living, I'm still living with my parents, but when they, <laughs> now it's like better now. But yeah. before, when I was like, am I about yeah. to kill my parents? Like, I just, I was so worried about their safety. Right. And I felt so judged if I was like in a group out with my friends and I right. left my mask on just like you. Yeah. And it's like, I have, I'm protecting them. I'm protecting them at home. We have no idea what this is like. I don't want to spread it to them. Yeah. Yeah. And people just start running off stats to you. Like you, I'm like, I don't care. Like, don't just start saying, don't just be like, but masks only. And I'm like, I don't care what you're saying. I'm just wearing a mask, man. The one thing I can say for the mask, like, I'm only doing what has been working for me so far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, knock on wood, Nadia, I have not gotten it as either. But I'm also one of the few that's wearing the mask. You see me, Ian. I'm yeah. always wearing it. Yeah. Aren't you still switching mics? I'm still, see, look, I still switch mics too. Keep, yes, because you're spinning into it, right? Or pe other people are spinning so yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I went to Long Island to do a show, I'll tell them, I say, hey, I brought my microphone. It, um, and if it doesn't work out, can you set aside a microphone, put it away, disinfect it, but set it different from the other people who are on the show? Yeah. You know, because we're talking for long periods of time and we're spitting. And I, you know, 
I like having my own microphone, actually. There were times when th this thing is nasty when it's shared by so many. There were times when I'd be talking, I'm like, this thing smells like ass. Yeah. And I've got to pretend. I yeah. And I've got to pretend because everyone's was on that microphone. Yeah, I feel like we learned how like how much stuff is gross, actually. <laughs> and that we why have we been doing that? Like blowing on cakes, like blowing your candles out at a cake. It's like you're blowing mm. all your when you blow out on your birthday it's like small stuff like that or using a microphone it's like wow this is really we are just in each other's everything maybe it's we should great, not <laughs> look and there i know i hear the other side of it which is like you've got to live life and you need some germs and i'm like not right now i mean like yeah. for me personally like i actually think that we should always be thinking about these germs and how to in a healthy way, get them and how mm -hmm. to also remain, you know, healthy so you can work. I didn't get the yeah. flu this year. I didn't get the, I didn't get a cold this year. Now, mm -hmm. Marina, do you think you'll go back ever to like no mask, same mic? <laughs> the mic thing, I think I will be continuing. I think I'll go down in history as the comedian <laughs> that will, you know, like they're, yeah. you know, because I'm so used, this is the thing is, uh, uh, the lesson that I learned is habits are hard to break mm. and good habits are, are great to keep. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Ooh, that was a good one. So like, that's the tagline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, look, sugar, you know, like I, right now I'm having a problem with not eating sugar cause I started eating it again, you know, but mm. the habit of not eating sugar I did for so long that it was just a habit of not eating sugar. And then when I did eat sugar, I was like, ah. Yeah. So you you want to start good habits. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, whatever works for you that keeps you healthy. And if it's mm -hmm. a great habit, keep it going. Like I had, yeah. you know, um, Nadia, just so you know, I had breast cancer like two years ago, but I'm surviving, right? So like I had to change my my lifestyle. I had to change mm. the way I eat. I had to I that was my choice to really think about it, you know, and just to stay healthy because I really they didn't know where mine came from. Mm -hmm. So I have to think about like, you know, I know sugar feeds cancer. So I had to think about taking that out of my diet. It's hard. Mm. It's, it's so everything. hard. Yeah, it's in, it's in so many sauces that I enjoy. Yeah, you know, when Ketchup. I catch up. So yeah, 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 yeah. I, for you, though. <laughs> I was watching okay just okay little side note i was watching apocalypse now last night on my tv it looks so much better now so i had to watch it again and the guy in the boat he talks about he's the sauce guy <laughs> he was like what kind of chef he goes i just do sauces <laughs> <laughs> and I, I never, every time I watch Apocalypse Now, there's a little bit of nugget that I pick up every single time that I never paid attention. That's how great that movie is. And he goes, he goes, I just, he goes, I just, this is a sauce for this and there's a sauce for that, but I just always wanted to be good at sauces. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sugar's in those sauces. Um, all of them. All right. So. Oh, they said this about your show. Prepare to be on the edge of your seat at this Tony Award winning spectacle that leaves you gasping in wonder at the magic of it all. This is from Time Magazine. The entire theater has been transformed to immerse you as epic duels, extraordinary spells, and beloved characters 
come to life. All laughter, tears. You'll feel every moment and never want it to end. It has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> yep. So, so what does that mean, though, <laughs> that it has to be seen to be believed? That is great. Yeah. It It is jam-packed with magic. Like, I am totally, totally unbiased. The show is incredible. I was, I had a chance to see it when I first booked it back in 2018. That it, then it was two parts. Now it's one. So um, we changed post pandemic. We condensed it into like all of the magical moments actually happened much faster, <laughs> and they're the same amount, but in just one part. And it really is. I am shocked still seeing my castmates do stuff that I see literally eight times a week. But I still like when I get a chance, when I like look off in the wings, I'm like, oh, yeah, that part is so cool. Oh, yeah, the flying. Oh, yeah, the fire. Oh, yeah. That. Like it truly it shocks me even still. And I see it eight times a week, literally every week. Eight shows a week. Oh, yeah. This is actually my only day off. Today's my weekend. <laughs> we oh. perform Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Tuesday through Sunday. No, is, is there a part of you? Because this happens a lot in comedy. A lot of times people think comedy is like we're all just improvising it on the spot and there's nobody mm. like 98 is not improvised. Even the people you think are crowd work improvised, you watch them, they do that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes you do it so much, you feel like you're mailing it in. Do you ever feel like that mm. on stage? Like you're just mailing it in, like you're not in the moment? Um. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to do the same show eight times a week for sure. Right. And it's so technical. It's so physical. My dance background definitely comes in handy with it yeah. because I do dance in it. Even it's not a musical, thank God, because I can't sing. But yeah. I do dance. I'm acting. I'm pushing staircases like I'm doing a lot of physical work as well. It's a lot of ensemble work, yeah. but it's the same exact thing eight same times thing. a week. So yeah. for sure. And it's that's what's, especially the contract is also a year long. We've already been doing it for six months and I got a whole other six or I go until November, 2022. So that is still a long time to continue doing the same yeah. thing. But I, I try to find like, honestly, Marina, like how you were saying like, oh, if I'm focusing on folding my clothes, that kind of takes me out of my head and helps my acting. Same thing with me. I find like small nuggets in each scene I do to like re-inspark the inspiration, make it new each time do something fun. Also, I mean, to be completely honest, I'm ad-libbing a lot with my castmates, so we're having a blast anyway. Okay. See, <laughs> having fun and playing yeah. with each other. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's what keeps it fun and new. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, Marina, this ever happened, you're ever on stage and you're like, and it could be going great, but you're like, I have to get in the moment. I'm just, I'm just saying the thing. Yes, right I've now. been there. I've been yeah. there where I'm like, well, and then I'll notice they're not there. The audience is not there because I wasn't there. So I blame myself. Right. I'm one that likes to step outside of the act and talk to the audience. I break yeah. the fourth wall or third wall, whatever the wall. Yeah. But I always go, it's not your fault. I wasn't really into that joke. I'll say that to them yeah. and they'll <laughs> laugh. Yeah. But because I'm acknowledging that it's a give, the, the it's real. a dance yeah. really, you yeah. know? I'm so in awe of what you both do. It is so, first of all, I just love comedy. Like it's just so, uh, but to stand up there, like it's, it's one thing what I do, but I was, it was written for me. And I'm playing a character. It's not me. But you being yourself and standing in front of people, I'm just so in awe of it. It is. And it's exactly as you say. And it's not like it's hard work. It's not not most of it isn't improvised. Like you have to work your what you're going to say and like the art that you're going to take and all of it. It's so that's so inspiring. Thank you. Even when you do improvise, if it was a good one, you just keep it with you. <laughs> and now it's part of like. And then it's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now yeah. it's the thing you do. Yeah, it's a that long, so cool. it's, and I started off in theater. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, what happened for me was I found I had a, I felt more comfortable on stage, you know, telling jokes than I did in the theater. I, you know, uh -huh. in the theater, I had a hard time focusing, you know, or listening <laughs> um, or memorizing because uh, I spoke so much weed, but um, I'm working on that, you yeah. know. But I will say, like, you, what you said is right. Like, if you, I did do a play for a month. I think it was a month at the Billy Holiday Theater in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I've been there, yeah. That was the, yeah, that it's a great theater. It's a very mm -hmm. interactive audience. And, um, you know, it's a black audience. They go yes. and they get involved. <laughs> it's like church, you know? Call and response. A, yes. Call and, <laughs> and it was, it was hard to like focus actually, because I was like, <laughs> but it was so much fun and i had mm -hmm. to i did have to for the first time because i never did a play that for that period of time mm -hmm. find new things on the stage and it was i never wanted to call it a job but it was like you're you're, you're clocking in and you're going to for work sure. and you're providing yeah. entertainment and you have to give it all so mm -hmm. you have to like especially in the theater you've got to stay healthy number one yeah i had a actually a a circumstance um, a few weeks ago where I just wasn't point blank. I've been anxious and not taking care of myself, not getting enough sleep. And I literally had to leave the show. My understudy had to go on mid show because I was just having an anxiety attack. I felt like I was nauseous. And there's nothing worse because I went through the whole first act and my first act is pretty busy. Like that's where most of my scenes happen and a lot of physical stuff and I'm dancing. And I thought I was going to vomit at each point. I was like taking everything super slow and so nervous I was going to have to leave the stage <laughs> mid-show and vomit. And luckily I didn't, but I just had to leave. And that taught me from that moment. And this was literally only like a month ago that I have to drink water as soon as I wake up. I have to go to the gym. I have to make sure I'm getting enough sleep. I have to eat well. I can't eat too much before the show, but I need to eat during. Like it's like everything about it is like, First, I had to take care of my body first because it will not happen if I'm not. That's absolute. That's the actor's way. Mm -hmm. The actor has to. The, your body is your instrument. Ooh. Yes. Write that one down too. <laughs> no, no, that's not mine. That's from oh. <laughs> years of theater training. Like your body is your instrument. So you can't. In order to tell a story, your job is to have a voice. Mm -hmm. You cannot, so, you know, from doing studies in England and at the best theaters there, they are very on this, your instrument, your vocals. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I had a teacher that used to scare the hell out of us. If we even came in with a sore throat. Ooh. Yeah. He would say, then well, obviously you don't care about what you're doing. <laughs> she was intense. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes you can't help a sore throat, but like the yeah. throat coat, get your professional singer spray, drink your water, lemon drops. Like I have so many different remedies that are just like boop, 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 boop. Yeah. When, when the understudy comes in, does the audience know, notice? Uh, yeah, they make an announcement. First of all, let me just quickly shout out because I have to do this. Under, our understudies and swings everywhere, but also particularly for our show, are incredible. They're always there. They're in the show as well. They work so hard. They cover many tracks. They're so freaking talented. Just got to say that. And yes, also they will make like an announcement that time. They had to literally make an announcement to all of the audience because they were like, uh, the role normally played by Nadia Brown will be played by Stephanie Gomez instead because okay. they didn't explain why, but they do have to make that announcement. And then in general, like normally, you don't do any of the show. It's not like a mid-show switch out like that. 
they'll have like an insert in the playbill so that you know like oh like this person's on for this person instead oh and and as and as the energy of an understudy like when you have obviously you guys are probably <laughs> friends and she wants mm-hmm. you to be well but when she yes. has to come in is it like <laughs> <laughs> we'll see no <laughs> Is she like rubbing her hands like, now it's my time to shine. We're human beings. It has to be that energy. Um, it Okay. I <laughs> I feel like that's definitely a cliche of Broadway. Like, oh, the understudy is always waiting in the wings. Like Tanya Harding you to like make yeah. sure like I want to get my time on stage. It's really not like that. And just as a principal, like I will say from my perspective, it's really important that I, one, take vacation. Like I need time off. I want vacations. I can't do I can't push myself and I especially know that post pandemic like time off is so important and so I think as a principal I want to go, go to work and be at work but I think there is a responsibility when you play that role every night that you should take some time off so that your understudies can get some time to go on as well yeah it's the first time that this happened no yeah no oh, no oh, I okay. had gone on I had gone to Costa Rica earlier <laughs> Like they hadn't had time on stage. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm like, I was always thinking to myself, I would be the one understudy who would be like, now I have to go on. (laughs) I can't today. I'm I'm busy. (laughs) I'm like so awful. I'm like wishing like, oh, no, totally. Totally. If you're not going, if you didn't expect to. Like it is kind of like, dang, I got to like, yeah, yeah, yeah everyone is great at our show so yeah Yeah. i I keep thinking of the um the spider it was a Mm spider-man broadway show that it didn't last because it was too much right it was too people were getting hurt yeah that actually was at the theater that i'm in now that was at the lyric theater which is where harry potter is yeah and the they said the theater was haunted because that play like people so like it was like every cast member got got injured and hurt there were a lot of injuries yeah. yeah for sure it actually it it was horrible yeah and it i've heard that it i don't know those actors personally but i have heard that some actors had had to um you know give up their careers cuz they literally as we say the body is a vessel like they injured themselves so seriously that they could no longer continue which is horrible um and so i think that's the most important thing especially when you're doing a show that is super physical super like there's a lot of risk involved that like safety is treated of the utmost importance for sure for sure which is so shocking because the theater is always intense they're so intense on you know protecting the body and what are some things that they did they ever give you a speech like in the beginning of your show like hey we don't take risks on this if there's anything you need to do let us know if you don't feel safe um yeah we're actually still in the midst of like doing safety stuff (laughs) and like we're constantly double checking and rechecking and reevaluating. Yeah, because Harry Potter's particularly a very, 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 very physical show. So yeah, yeah there's a lots of opportunity for risk. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's like an ongoing conversation that I think that we'll always have and all future casts will always have all of the time, you know? Ooh, I'm asking some good questions. Yeah! <laughs> But you know, it's so fun. I can't wait to see it. I have, yeah, we should go see it. Come yeah, see I would it. Love, I would love to see it. Yeah. Y'all. We should go check our girl out. Okay. Let me go hook y'all up with some box seats. Yes. 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 That would be great. We would, <laughs> please do, I would please love do. to. I, I have, it's been so long since I've been to the theater. And just would this be your first play back? Mm hmm. 
Oh my, yeah, you should come. Definitely come. <laughs> Harry yeah. Potter should be your first love flavor. It. For sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds amazing. It, it really I didn't know you had a theater background, Marina. It makes sense though, because I like you're not super physical on stage, but there definitely is a theater aspect to it. Cause... Oh yeah, I act out. I do my yeah. act outs. Yeah, you do. You have a thing where you do, you'll do like a look where it's like the look is the punchline. So if the look doesn't hit, sometimes I'm like, you got to hit that look every night because that it's not just a word. You have to do the look. There was one. There was one time where I was on something for, to like kind of numb me. I bombed so bad. Oh, because I had it. no expression. Yeah, yeah. Or if I'm mad at the audience, I I just I just kind of like phone it in, as you yeah. said, or I call it mailing it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just and so I have no, like I had a woman this weekend who said to me, she goes, she was older, and I was laughing because I was doing this joke where I had to say the word pussy. And I was like, this ain't no bus pussy, you know. Yeah. You got a, a special. You gotta come, you know, don't take a bus to my house. And this whole front row was like definitely in their like late 80s. And I just was laughing to myself saying this joke as I'm looking at these women. And I'm like, (laughs) and then I was like, do I address it? And then afterwards, she comes up to me and she goes, you know, I couldn't hear. So, but it was so funny just watching you. Oh, <laughs> it's like your facial expressions. She goes, but I couldn't. I had to ask for them to tell me what you were saying. I said, oh, that's hilarious too. Yeah, that's so funny. You don't realize what you're providing. Sometimes I take like an allergy pill, and you know you're like drowsy, so you you you're like dazed out a little bit, so you can't do the emotions that you normally express, and it definitely disconnects you even more. Absolutely. Now. We're going to get into these this other article because I think this is what we've talked about. I mean, I, I kind of want to ask, wait, before I, you're so interesting, Nadia, that you're more interesting <laughs> than the articles I have. I mean, the articles are good, but still, I do have this Thank one you. question that's not in the articles because you love Britney Spears. This is a fun okay. fact. Mm-hmm. Are you I'm like number one fan? Number one fan. Yeah. <laughs> were you out there saying free Britney? I, I wish this was. I wish I had a visual component to show you me in LA. When I went to go shoot the green room, I went to a protest, a free Britney protest. I was so excited. I was with my pink sign that said free Britney. Yes. I kept up to date with all the conservatorship information. When framing Britney Spears came out, I was like, I'm glad everyone now knows because I had known about the free Britney movement back when it was first just on you know, in, in the community, in the fan base. Um, and it was nice to have that documentary come out and then everyone kind of see like, oh, we didn't treat Britney Spears very well in the early aughts at all. Oh, the media didn't treat her well. Oh, wait, her family's taking advantage of her. Oh, da, da, da. like it was nice to see everyone have like a kind of an awakening of how we were treating her. And I will never forget this. It was our first night of previews at Harry Potter um, in 2021, November 12th, was the day that she was freed. And my director, John Tiffany, who directed, he's the original director. <laughs> he's English, like has, he was the first director of the show, knew I loved her and announced to the 1600 seat audience, like, this is a great day. It's our first preview, our first time in front of an audience for two years. And also Britney Spears has been freed from her conservatorship. Oh, <laughs> I, I love so it. So thankful. <laughs> Oh, so, that's so yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. I just wanted to bring that up because I could see that she makes you smile. And that's so sweet. Very much. <laughs> so now I put this in about Gerard Carmichael mm-hmm. not wanting to talk about the Oscars. 
only because I'm at that place too. And I remember, so actor comedian Gerard Carmichael hosted SNL just one day after his new HBO special comedy special, Rathaniel, released. In it, he comes out as gay and in his SNL opening monologue insists that he does not want to and will not talk about it, meaning what happened at the Oscars. Now, how do you feel about talking about it? I felt the same way. I am... Um, one of the few comedians that did not post, did not really comment publicly. I was asked to speak in an article about it. I went on stage, the MC was talking about it, and I went on, I said, I said what Chris said. <laughs> I go, and I'm not gonna talk about it because I still need to process. I just thought Eventually, it was a funny way out. Thing, and it'd be long and funny, but I can't right now. I was like, I just can't, pro I got to process it. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like we don't do that enough in society is we don't take a moment before talking about things. Like, so true. if anything, I think we could learn from that moment was that our reactions to it were very different moment to moment, hour to hour, day to day, week to week. I've seen people switch. People flipped. <laughs> like before the night was over. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Perspective. Yeah, they were too quick. I watched Jared's uh, his opening. It was so good. And I agree. Like, it really felt like at one moment, super excited to talk about it. Then you're like, oh, but all these other arguments that like mean deeper things. And like, oh, we're talking about black women and their hair and black women and respect and black men, and, like everything. And in the mostly white industry and the Oscars and all this. And then you're just like, I just don't ever want to talk about it again. Like, I just, yeah, I so, like, we went through a whole arc in such a short amount of time. Carmichael continued to say that it feels like the incident happened somewhere between Jamiroquois and 9-11. <laughs> somewhere a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I'm I, like, I was over it pretty quick, but they, they really, like, especially if you're on social media, they really oh, like, dragged it. Like, blew the, up. Yeah. yeah but I get it. It was the, it's literally the biggest thing that ever happened on TV and award show. I, I get it, but you know. And people would much rather talk about that than Ukraine, I think. I think that's also they're yeah. using it it's as a way to to escape. Yeah. And I I would say that that's the I get it, but we cannot forget what's happening over in the U Ukraine. And so mm -hmm. um, you know, it, given it the perspective of it, you know, it's like these people all need to heal from what happened. And I think that because it's funny that L Lauren Michael says uh, the nation needs the to nation heal <laughs> from this moment. I'm sorry, but like we've all got our problems. I guess it is a wonderful escape from our own problems. We need to we need to focus on this world healing on so many other things yeah. i mean i mean you could pull out all the stuff that happened in that moment of what's going on in the world it, there was so it's so layered with so many mm -hmm. things that happened in that moment and it's going to continue because here's the thing people make money off of these moments and they're yeah. not really genuine about whether they care about these people and that's that's where i always have a problem i'm like mm -hmm. yeah yeah, totally. I felt I the same way. And I I feel like sometimes people are searching, especially because I got asked for like an article. They're like, oh, are you afraid now that you're <laughs> on stage that somebody's going to? And I'm like, no. What? Are you afraid, Marina? I, I don't I don't even no. know. About that. <laughs> like, 
Uh, that's there's been so many things like are you afraid to gonna this is setting a dangerous precedent i was like i don't know i have seen these things happen in the past to comics where they're on stage we say things that we've been triggering for people for quite some time and we've had people yell out we've had people come on stage jay okerson had someone um, dangerously, Jay was pulled. They wasn't pulled he kicked? Stage. Yeah. Now they pulled up at, at uh, Soul Joe's. He got pulled off stage by his leg. Yeah. He sits on the oh stool. Oh my gosh. He grabs his leg and he pulled him. And he fell off this. He I pulled, mean, that was oh dangerous. Off stage, yeah. yeah. You um, know, and so it has. I used to host at the Comedy Cellar, and I've seen like I was hosting one night, and David Tell was doing a joke, and this guy just threw a glass at him. Oh, it hit wow. the back wall, mm-hmm. and mm. it shattered. But I, I was a younger comic at the time and I was hosting. I didn't even know how to, you know, come back from that. I was like, I, um, well, are you guys ready for more? <laughs> you know, like I didn't have like a, what do you say? Like, what did a tell say? What did he do? Security threw him out, I assume. Security threw him out. Mattel had really funny jokes that followed. Yeah. Tell, yeah. And he, cause he always does. The yeah. guy actually wasn't even mad at Attell's joke. He said his uncle had died and he just was angry. Damn. Yeah. So you always have this. The thing that I think that could come from this moment, though, is this naive thing of thinking that nothing can happen to a person on stage. There should always be safety. Again, Yes. there should always be safety measures. There should always be someone ready to jump in to help in case. Yeah. And I, I think that thinking that things can't happen is very, I mean, we've, I hate to say it, but look what just happened in, um, was it in San, San Diego? Was it, or was it Sacramento with gun violence? We've seen gun violence everywhere. And I'm so tired of people being surprised that this happened. It's, this is the world we live in. Mm -hmm. It's just like wearing a mask. You gotta like provide protection and yeah. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how much it costs for security. Is it expensive? (laughs) Every time I've seen like an audience member, it never turns out good for like the audience member. Like it never, even with the Will situation, like this is not good for Will Smith and his career. It's the worst thing that ever happened to his career. He had a spotless 35 years of career. Mm -hmm. He went to an Oscar. This happened. Like this is, you'll always lose if that's the route you want to take. Except for aunt, the first aunt. Wasn't it? Oh, uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Aunt Viv. Aunt Viv may be like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they made up. They made up. <laughs> they made up, but she's probably still going. Now nah, yeah. y'all. I told y'all. <laughs> yeah. I told y'all he wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone done that meme? That's probably no. like. <laughs> no, that's well, a good one. That's not bad. <laughs> Aunt Viv is like, I, I know we made up, but I'm so glad y'all saw it. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> And then there's, but there's so many arguments here. There's like, you know, women who have alopecia is alopecia cancer. It's like rotten ridiculous. Um, the think pieces are just it's so. It's, I, the craziest one I read. The, the the headline literally said how Will Smith slapping Chris Rock is a sign of white supremacy in this country, and I was like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> he's know. a privileged white man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you defend black women? Is this the way we're gonna? Finally, he defended a black women are so black women are so disrespected. Why are white people talking about this? How do black people appear in front of white people? Oh, Mm -hmm. it's insanity. Chris Rock is a victim now. He's height. 
<laughs> it was up his childhood. Like, yeah, like he had a rough childhood in Brooklyn. People were talking about everybody hates Chris. Like, if you see the show, it was like you see in Everybody Hates Chris, he was bullied and now this is happening. I'm like, that's a show. Who knows? Like, it's based on his life, but I don't know if that's like a real, that's not a documentary. Right. Now, Nadia, I have to ask you for the theater, because mm-hmm. even the theater, I remember there was a point when, and I forget which actress, she told them to turn their cell phones off. Oh, was that Patty LuPone? I forget. I think so. And she stopped and she said, you have to turn your cell phone off. Mm. I remember we were at that phase. Are you worried at all for, about people in the audience? Have you had any any type of like heckles or? No. Well, yes, but we actually have strong security. So that's the first thing I'll say is that first we like they have COVID checkpoints now as they're waiting in the line to show the Vax card, whatever. And then they have to get like everything is scanned so that like, you know, their bags and purses are checked and all of that. Um, There has been an issue. We're very close with our house managers and our ushers. Those are also arts workers that people forget about as well. Um, We're very close with them. And some of them have been heckled about like mask wearing and whatnot. And one of my good friends was um, she is like the house manager and she told someone to put their mask back up after taking drinks. And this guy worked for the New York Post and went off and wrote this whole article about how strict it is and blah 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 and i need to i can't have my mask down for too long and blah 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 and like so extra and it's like sir just take your drink sit in your broadway show and just enjoy put your mask back up when someone tells you like just relax what what wait it was for the post yes oh so then there it is That is on brand. I mean, no no one respects the post. Boop. (laughs) And he should have known better. Like you don't use you don't use the media for your own. I mean, I I am guilty of it sometimes. I I did tell someone I was like, I have a far reach. I don't know if you know this, but uh, (laughs) don't get your order right. Uh huh. It's so awful though to do that. I was like, I don't know if you've seen how many people follow me, (laughs) but you know, it's it is like, yeah, the post. Enough said. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's like if there was any other article, if it was the New York Times, I'd be really. But the Post, it's like, dude, I don't even. You really don't need to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, now <laughs> this this story I love about the Amazon workers. We were talking about union workers and mm-hmm. people, you know, who work stage and light and tech and, um, you know, we have the union in the industry of acting and AFTRA, SAG, you know, mm-hmm. equity. So he was fired by Amazon two years ago. Chris Smalls led a walkout to protest working conditions at Staten Island, New York, Amazon warehouse where he worked. He was fired the same day. A memo calling him not smart or articulate leaked a few days later, which Smalls began, he started an organization. According to his statement, celebrating the historic victory of the Amazon Labor Union on April 1st. I know I'm reading that wrong. Making the warehouse Amazon's first unionized workplace in the United States. Mm. That's crazy. Now, (laughs) it is crazy because Smalls had zero union background, nor did he rely on any established labor groups for funding and organizing power. Instead, he and his co-founder, Derek Palmer, used GoFundMe to raise money and reach out to the warehouse workers to meet for barbecues, bonfires, or gatherings at the workers' usual bus stop. Mm. It's so incredible. Like, 
the amount of organization and just like grassroots totally done by the people for the people and you like it's such a big company <laughs> of and has said like many workers have said that their their conditions are not right especially during the pandemic and they're not getting yeah. enough breaks and you know their labor is so physical and so taxing and the fact that they don't have any union to help them yeah. it's it's just like i'm so yeah. so impressed by that and then you'll read an article that'll be like well the ceo made a hundred trillion dollars during the day. <laughs> like this, this seems this seems like a problem trillion yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> The, the CEO is a trillionaire that's trying to start a, a new world in space. And you're like. Rocket. Yeah. So terrible. Yeah. Really crazy. David and Goliath. Yeah. Mm. But I feel like we're going to pay for it anyway. Like, cause he's not taking a cut in their profits. The, the Amazon mm-hmm. price is going up. So we're going to pay their, their union issues. Mm-hmm. Like whatever they negotiate, it's probably just going to be given down to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Like it's, um, but it's, I think that's why the next article is so important by Robert Reich. I always say his name wrong. Robert Reich. Is it Reich? He's like this. I've, I did a show with him once. He's like five, one. Not to be like, you know, heightist or whatever that is. <laughs> but I remember thinking like, because I read his articles and I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> um, but he's so smart. And he wrote this article about how this has given American workers more bargaining power than they've had in decades and wages have climbed 5.6% over the past year. But inflation is running so high that even a 5.6 wage gain over the past year is minimal in terms of real purchasing power. Yet corporate America believes these wage gains are contributing to inflation. And he says, this is his opinion, and I agree with him, this is pure rubbish. Unfortunately, the chair of Federal Reserve Board, Jerome Powell, believes it. He worries that the labor market is extremely tight and at an unhealthy level. As a result, the Fed is on the way to raising interest rates repeatedly in order to slow the economy and reduce the bargaining leverage of American workers. You see how that works? Yeah. These are things that we have to really pay attention. It's kind of like, Nadia, like what you did, like you were, you, you shined a light on something that a lot of people don't think about. You know, and then you went to Cory Booker because you felt like I need to get something done. You know, I think a lot of times we feel like the little person mm-hmm. when really you With have no so much. Yeah, absolutely. Just voicing your needs and your wants to the people in power, whatever, at whatever level. Sometimes I would call his office and just get the secretary and I'd say, hey, da, 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 da. And she'd be like, great, we're actually still working on this or great. We're, you know, there's a lot of, you know work that can be done on small local levels and it won't take much. It doesn't take long. Calling your representative takes two minutes. Literally they pick up, they'll get back to you. You can send like one of those emails that was going around a lot. I think over the pandemic where you could just log onto a website and it already had a drafted email for you. And all you had to do was sign your name. So it's simple to just reach out and use your voice. And I mean, it's as easy as filming a TikTok video sometimes. So, yes, I felt I felt like TikTok got, was so useful in that way. Absolutely. Spreading information really fast in a really palatable one minute long, easy way. Now, John Oliver does that, too. Yeah, yeah. I do like John Oliver. I did this um, sketch for him about 
what they were doing to union workers mm. or people who were considering being unionized mm -hmm. um, and how they would like, it's kind of like a, a, a bullying tactic just tell yeah. you that if you join the union, look at the, what may happen to you. And I, I had no idea that this was going on. So when I did the sketch, I was just happy that I got cast. And then when I realized this was actually happening, I thought it was so ridiculous. I was like, is this really, this has been going on. They have videos that they show their workers about how bad it is to join the union. That's crazy. That is, that's absolutely manipulation. Like, that's like, wow, such an abuse of power. Yeah. Like, forever. Like, I saw the video that they were spoofing off of, and I was like, that's not the joke? Yeah. That's that's real? You know, um, and here's the, uh, just, I, I do have to say this. Um, so, Robert Reich said, asks, ask you to pause here to consider the commerce department reported on Wednesday that corporate profits is this is like what Ian was saying are at a 70 year high. Mm. You read that right. Not since it's 1952 crazy. have corporations done as well as they are now doing Amazon's profits are in the stratosphere, but it's not just Amazon across the board. American corporations are flush with cash, although they are paying higher costs, including higher wages, they still manage to increase their profits. How they have enough pricing power to pass on those higher costs to us, the consumers, mm -hmm. and even add some more for themselves. When America corporations are overflowing with money like this, why would wage gains heat up price increases as the times reports? In a healthy economy, corporations would not be passing on higher costs, including higher wages to their consumers. They'd be paying the higher wages out of the profit. their profits. Mm -hmm. But that's not happening because corporations are using their profits to buy back enormous amounts of their own stock to keep their share prices high instead. Oh so that's mm. it in a nutshell. So when you have like, I always hear like owners of comedy clubs talking about inflation and talking about what they can't do. And I'm like, but you seem to be doing quite well. <laughs> what is that mentality where you don't mm. want to give away? You don't want to help. What are they, what are they afraid of? Losing money. But they have so much. Are I they afraid of losing their company? So much, I guess, is is subjective, right? It's like yeah. to us, it's so much. But if Jay, if, if Jeff Bezos woke up and had the money that Bill Gates had, he'll probably think he was a failure because mm. because mm. he has three times that amount now. Mm -hmm. like, just that constant. It depends who you're comparing yourself to. It's of full course. circle what we just said. It's going back to that beginning moment of enjoying the moment. Yes. Yeah. Always having to, well, now I got to get this. Now I got to do mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And the people at the top, like they, they, I don't even think it's about money anymore. It's just about like actual to buy or spend. Cause after a certain amount, there's nothing else you can buy. Like <laughs> you can afford everything. Truly. <laughs> Things don't just keep going up. You can afford, <laughs> like there's a top price for everything. So I think it's just like a competition between egos of like, yeah. well, I want to be top five on this list of most highest earning companies and highest earning this thing. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Always good. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, you you get to the point where you're in first class and then you're like, well, but I want to have a private jet. Right, yeah. right. And, and then you get in a private jet and you're like, but I want a bigger one, though. With yep. a <laughs> and staff. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. <laughs> then you get there and then Elon Musk is like, well, we're going to space. You guys are flying, <laughs> you guys are flying cross country. We're going to space. So. <laughs> That it, part. Just, it, never, it never stops it, it never ends it never ends i i love this story though because i think that well everyone knows that i'm i have i'm not a karen but i have a little bit of like i have this bar that i'm waging a war against downstairs and then when i say that i have done what you've done like i've contacted my uh representative of harlem i've mm-hmm. gone to the community board i've done all my civic you know and i've also joined some associations because Never in my life did I realize, oh, where I live actually matters to me. Yeah. Like and the pandemic made me realize quality of life for me is important, but I think mm-hmm. it's also important for everyone in Harlem specifically, which is a black neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, still predominantly. And I do find that Harlem gets dumped on a lot. We get what other people don't want. want. Like it's horrible. We get like um, facilities for drug rehab more than we actually have in the community we don't people are coming from other places to go to the rehab centers in harlem because they know they can't get away with that on the upper east side or the right you know so i've become involved in ways that i never thought i would that's awesome marina thank you you're welcome <laughs> thank you, <Nadia. laughs> well you inspired me too today with everything you're doing it's wonderful thank you thank you thank you so we have these other articles but i think we can get out. i mean there's the story about the guy who okay i'll just say it real fast and then <laughs> we'll get out but a guy got not <laughs> oh, man gets 90 COVID 19 shots in germany to sell forged passes now, what I find so weird about that is it's like these people are buying from him. But it's like, why are you afraid to get the vaccine? He got 90. Like, 90? <laughs> what is that going to do? Who knows? But yeah, What is that going to do? With, like, like, maybe nothing. Okay? I mean. Well, he's a good study. He's made himself a lab rat. Yeah, right? They yeah, should pay him. Maybe <laughs> he still gets COVID. <laughs> well it's it it's amazing that he's still alive i mean you're I, right i i actually do want to follow the story just to yeah. see what happens to yeah. him because yeah. i mean the lengths the, the that people will go it's so extra to, yeah well there was like a doctor's office in long island that made like two million dollars selling fake vaccine cards like yeah no. they made like two million something crazy like that and cash it's money you take cash payments, yeah. Two million, something like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They like supply Long Island didn't get vaccinated. They like supply the whole the whole Long Island. <laughs> That's why I was wearing my mask in that <laughs> restaurant because I've heard those stories. Yeah, yeah. Don't fun. look at me when I've heard those stories. Yeah, I was like, I know you got a va- a fake vax card just I'm... sitting in here sipping your tea. Right, right. You can tell. <laughs> oh no, vax card energy. You can tell. <laughs> People do give fake vax card energy. <laughs> How can you tell, Ian? Are you wondering, you're like, you, there's no way you went and got a vaccine. You, you know, they got too many buttons unbuttoned on, on, their, on their Hawaiian shirt, and it's only spring. 
You're absolutely right. Yes. You know the look. I know the look. I and know that funny. guy. I yeah. think it was Ophira Eisenberg. She did a great joke about how um, you can always tell a, a person who's, it's like you just have to let people know. Yeah. I forget what her joke was, but it was so brilliant because I was like, yes, they do let you know, don't they? They can't keep it in. Right. It's so weird. Like, I've never, I know I'm a comedian, but I've never, even as a comedian, I never really had the desire to tell people my, like, opinion, like, mm. unsolicitedly. And comedy, you're soliciting it. You're coming to a show. Mm -hmm. You're soliciting opinion. But, like, to just, I'll sit, like, you'll be on a plane and somebody will just be like, yeah, these Democrats. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just want to go to Florida, man. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to have. I have heard that on plane. I've heard the plain talk of the woke police and the yeah. um yeah because you got to wear a mask crazy like crazy that. left oh yeah yeah you wear a mask so they feel like it's just like liberals running the airlines and they always are loud about it because they want you to hear their their okay. thoughts yeah I, and the guy there was a guy in line saying like i can't wait for us to get back so people can get over this flu it's just the flu and i was like yeah. i think they want involvement when they do that they yeah, want engagement they do. What do you give them? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Dead. Dead. Look. <laughs> I don't even. I don't engage. Usually they're like off somewhere when they're saying it. They're not too close to me, and a lot of times they look crazy too. Mm. It, it, it goes crazy looking goes with crazy talking a lot of yeah. times. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, sometimes I'm and I'm profiling down there. I can see them coming. Yeah. Knuckleheads. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. I try not to engage people like that because you just there's no point and there's a lot going on in them that has nothing to even do with me. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing at all. You can. It's like you said, you can tell like they and they you got you can't look. You got to just be in your own thing. Focus. Because they'll Tunnel make like, announcement yeah. about the mask and then they'll, they'll start shaking their head. And that's if you look when they're shaking their head, then they'll start to like unload their opinion. So you got to just just keep your head down. <laughs> I have seen a lot of plain like energy where people have gotten on board of not engaging with the crazies. Yeah. Have you seen that viral video of a girl yelling at a guy to put his mask up, but she has her mask down and she's also yes. spitting in his face. And yeah, it was yep. like, girl, wait, you're not being COVID safe either. Your mask is down and you're this close. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, at that point, it's about something else, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When they do that, that's when I realized I was like, oh, we're not fighting about this anymore. It's like we're fighting about something you had in your life, something earlier. It's almost like that Oscar moment again. It's like, oh, there's mm -hmm. when there's hysteria, there's history. I think mm -hmm. that's the saying. I've been so good at the sayings this episode. Slaying. <laughs> and I think I got that wrong, but I yeah. it sounds right to it, me. It sounded good. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm it sounded good. You are both so amazing. Like you're such great talent. You're like my young. This is a young star episode that I'm. I'm sure is going to inspire, influence, and educate so many. I mean, oh, let me tell you, you've made my Monday great. I was just about to say the same thing. Y'all made my day. It was so great to just sit and talk and chat. It was great. Thank you for letting me be the guy for that 
a month. I appreciate it. I just want to say Ian, that. we got to go see Nadia. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And any time when you have off, if you have, I know you're every day, but if there's a day where you feel like going to see something, you know, but of course I, I want you to be safe. So maybe I shouldn't be inviting you because I, yeah. I want you to continue working. I'll leave my mask on. I will be, yeah. I will be just like you and leave my mask on in the, <laughs> in the crowd. But I, I would love what? to come. I would love to come. Let me let me hook y'all up with box seats for real. We'll okay, talk about I mean, this. We'll talk about sure. that. Yeah, I'm not wearing a mask though. But wait, you gotta wear a mask. <laughs> you gotta wear a mask, man. And this whole time, this whole time, I'm that guy. Isn't that funny? Like, we had no idea. Low reveal. That's like what you were saying about the switcheroo of the after the Oscars. I saw people oh, yeah. were like, "Oh, are people on so on the his side?" Okay. Yeah, you gotta flip. You flip on your perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Based on how you don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing Rogan next. I'm all anti-vax. crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nadia, where can our listeners find you? So you can find me. I made this Instagram handle up in high school, and I'm super proud of it still. I'm at Nadia or nice, but it's spelled N-A-U-G-H-T-Y-A underscore or underscore nice. So naughty uh, or nice. <laughs> and you can watch me on The Green Room with Nadia Brown on Ovation Wednesdays at 11 p.m. And with friends like us, who needs a Monday activity? This was the best, honestly, <laughs> the best way to spend my day off for real. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm Ian Lara. You can follow me at Ian Lara Live. Um, my Comedy Central half hour special is streaming on YouTube for free. It's called Growing Shame. Catch all my road dates on my website, ianlaralive.com. With friends like us, you don't need to read the New York Post. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. Marina Franklin, you guys know where to find me. MarinaFranklin.com. This has been an amazing episode with friends like us. You can have new friends on the show and be in truly, truly inspired. Thank you so much. Check, Check us out. out.